Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast. I don't even know what number we're up to. I think it's 16. Yeah. Sweet 16. <laughs> Let's go with that, hopefully. Yeah. I wonder why people number their podcasts. Do you know what's funny, though, is on the last podcast that came out, which was a while, which will probably be there's more, um, The which one came out last? Woke Children. Yeah. Something like that. Someone commented being like, Neil, please number the podcast. But it is numbered but it on is there. Numbered. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, do you just read? It's Same like only three three words. <laughs> I've never understood why um, people number their podcast, but people just do it. So we're, yeah. we're doing it. I guess people can reference it. And probably because some pro- pro- uh, podcasts go like progressively or maybe like, I don't know. Like yeah. you're doing like a murder mystery and you unlock a little bit each week. True. Yeah. But that's not, no, we're not uh, in any, there's no need to listen to these chronologically. No. Well, we'll keep numbering them for, <laughs> for needy, you, for that one person. Needy commenter out there. <laughs> Number the podcast. It's a bit funny. So entitled. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk about a bit of a darker topic today. Yes. yes. And quite a serious topic. We're talking about the sexualization of children. So this is probably a few weeks since the peak of its attention, but Cuties was a film on Netflix, a French film. Now, I personally haven't seen it, but it was all over social media, very controversial film that is about uh, a couple of girls who dance and there's some very suggestive 11-year-old girls. 11-year-old girls. Yeah. And... From what I've seen on the comments, I haven't actually watched this film, but from I don't know if I want to, to be honest, but yeah. what I've seen in the comments, there's a lot of camera work that zooms in on their ass and walking up the stairs on their, like literally yeah. their ass twerking. So yeah. I, from what I've, the, the alternative argument to saying why this is necessary is that it's artistic expression. And that it's ironically showing how disgusting the constant sexualization of children is by hypersexualizing yeah. them in the film. Now, I'm in two minds because no one's more in favor of artistic expression than yeah. I am. So, again, mm-hmm. I haven't seen it. So, it's not about whether I liked the film or felt uncomfortable by it, but because children are involved in it, that's where. Mm. I don't know how I feel about it. Have you seen it? Um, no, because I don't want to <laughs> give them the views. I've watched a lot of clips on it, though. <laughs> yeah, same. And I've watched a lot of reviews about it. And the thing is, that's a point that comes up quite frequently, is that the apparently the intention of the director was to demonstrate how we are sexualizing our kids and blah, blah, blah. But the point... At the other point, you know, these are 13-year-old actors. They're acting as 11, but they're still 13. And we're still showing their ass. We're showing them um, twerking. We're showing them their grind on the ground and things like that. And it's just we don't want to think about the people that are going to be drawn to watching that, especially because it's not a children's movie. It's an adult's movie. And Mm. it's just those poor girls have been, you know, uh, kind of willingly – but they don't have the emotional maturity to understand that they've, you know, gone into act a movie where they're being completely sexualized. And that's the point of the movie. But there's also like weird scenes in it, like um, 
they get approached by like these boys that look to be about 17 like year 12 yeah and they're hitting on the girls and they're like how old are you and they're pretending to be like older or whatever but they're 11 and there's this like sexual tension flirty banter french people yeah am i right and it's like we don't want to normalize these behaviors or or just think that that's okay and thank god everyone's had almost a similar response to that but i hate to think about all the creepy people that are watching this and and getting off to that that's the big thing i've heard as well that what is the effect of creating a movie like this for people who do have those proclivities. Yeah. So again, I'd, I'd come back to, I, I, no one is more in favor of artistic expression than I am uh, when it comes to comedy, when it comes to any other film that may be seen as uncomfortable, if it's all adults, yeah. doesn't matter what is shown in it, rape, murder, I, yeah. if it's all adults, I would be totally in favor. Whether I like it or not, I think is besides the point. Mm-hmm. Because this involves kids, that's where it gets yeah. a bit a bit murky. Yeah. It's it's pretty gross. Pretty yeah. shocking. But that's just one symptom of a society that mm-hmm. is sexualizing children a lot more. Now, I do get the suspicion that every generation always feels like this new generation is so sexualized compared to us. Yeah. Now, we, look, our generation, we're not even that old. We're in our mid-20s here, but yeah. our generation was pretty damn sexualized. Yeah. Okay, we still had the internet. We didn't have all the apps. We didn't have smartphones, but people were taking nudes. I remember in my high school, quite young. Yeah. I was watching porn really young, mm-hmm. uh, which I regret, but I was 13. What was I going to do? Yeah. Um, and then you go back even further in history, there was a lot more teen pregnancy. Yeah. A yeah. lot of kids, even though there was strict religious moral codes, kids were rebelling against that. And a lot of... Uh, 13, 14, 15-year-old girls were getting pregnant. So I I think the difference between uh, the 20th century, say, and and now Mm. is that even though there were children engaging in sexual behaviours, it was always frowned upon, it was always widely condemned, Mm. looked down at, there was nothing in the media that would ever suggest such a thing, as far as I'm aware, Mm -hmm. not an expert in 20th century media. Yeah, Uh, But now... It's everywhere there's opportunity for children to sexualize themselves and post filtered mm-hmm. bikini photos and mm-hmm. it begs the question if they're if they're gonna do that, who's the one actually sexualizing them? They is it's it is sister. it are we sexualizing them in a weird way by thinking mm. about it in that context? Or are they even though they're not adults, they still should have the freedom to do that because teenagers they're they're not adults, obviously, but they're yeah. not young either they, and they're they finding know what themselves they're doing. sexual they're having sexual development it's on their mind it's something they're conscious of they want to be attractive yeah. especially when you're 14 and 15 and things like that but exactly but then the other argument which i'm sure you'll bring out mm. bring uh talk about is all the pressures that people feel yeah. nowadays so um yeah it's it's a tough one but i think what are your thoughts on it i think it's um Actually, the the trend in it going upwards is is media and, and technology because it's not just the young people. Although our young people do sexualize themselves more, mm. there's reasons for that. And I can't remember who tweeted it, but it was like a famous magazine. I'll have to find it. Um, and I'm sure if you looked it up, you'll find it pretty easily. 
but some some famous organization released an article saying why Millie Bobby Brown is the sexiest actor. And she's 13, the girl from Stranger Things, the main actor there. Um, and those kind of things are just so disgusting, but it's almost become normal to society just to accept that or accept that article or things like that. So I was that article condemned. I don't think that's if I <laughs> if if I think the majority of people if they saw an article saying a 13 year old yeah. was sexy, uh, they would condemn that. But Hopefully. look, Britney Spears was 16 when she was uh, yeah. famous and in a schoolgirl outfit. Yeah. Very sexual. So something weird does happen when a... Christina Aguilera, yeah, Jeannie in a bottle, rub me the to, right way. Yeah. yeah, as soon as they're 16, it's fair game. Yeah. So that I've always been confused by at what age does it then suddenly become appropriate to sexualize them. Because you're old enough to consent for sex then, so that's why people think wait till they're 16. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you think it is, because what I was talking about before, do you think it's particularly pronounced and bad at the moment or do you think this has always been a phenomenon throughout history just because of mm. social media and technology, it seems a lot worse than it it's actually escalate. is? Well, no, I think it is increasing and they, there are studies that show that and one that is talked about a lot at the moment is that um, when only 10 years ago, so when um, I was a teenager, hmm. the the most common age that girls would start to become self-conscious aware of their bodies and their sexuality and like wanting to be attractive to boys is about 12 12 or 13, like year six or year seven, you start to being like, I want to be pretty and I want him to like me, those kind of things. Yep. But now studies are showing that the average age is now six where you start to be saying, I'm, I'm fat, I need to lose weight, or I need to be prettier. Those kind of things are happening. Mm. So it's almost half of what the age was only 10 years ago. So that was a really shocking thing that has come out to, to realize that our six-year-olds are now hyper-aware of being wanting to be attractive like in a, in a sexual way but they don't mm. I don't think that they're making the connection that it's it's a sexual thing but it's something that they're doing like thinking well this is what's accepted this is what people like this is what people will respond to and I I see this everywhere um and I think back to even you know when when people if, if you should ask any female close to you and ask like what age were you when you started to become sexualized by men like when men were sexualizing you or flirting with you and hitting on you and you'll be really shocked at most of our answers like for me it was 12 when grown men like adults would be like sleazy and things like that but as a kid you don't you're not so like aware of it like you'll be like oh gross but you find it funny or whatever you eye roll it but you're not so aware of how scary that really is that's a big jump in 10 years to go from 12 yeah. to, to six. See. So when were they asking them when you became sexually aware? Because wouldn't mm. girls who were seven, eight, nine, even 10, 15 years ago wanted to be Barbie or I don't know, wanted to be a princess or something like that? Or is that different to wanting to look good for a boy? Yeah, it's there are elements of that when we we idolize like Barbie and we have like a favorite celebrity. Like I used to die for Hannah Montana's hair 
yeah. but Miley Cyrus's hair, thinking it was real, which was which it wasn't. Yeah, like that used to be like, why can't I have this hair? Um, so we do, uh, you know, idolize our, our idols or things that we're interested in. But the difference is, is that we we now the six year olds now are actually experiencing true depression and anxiety symptoms based on this, based on the fact that they're not looking like this or that they feel uncomfortable with their in their own bodies like it's very uncommon to have mental health issues within a child that young that doesn't have a history of trauma or abuse so and now it's it's happening because of um like media and what we're seeing everywhere and every day and is this only in western countries no it's everywhere it's everywhere that has access where these medias like this kind of social media is trendy or advertising um is trendy and what was also really interesting is um they i can't remember who did it but there was like a study done where they went around a, a standard shopping center like westfield mm. looking at the models and things like that that are advertised and they found not just sexual just standard models but what they when they did like an analysis of this they found that over half of the models for even um like adult for for all adult stores like witchery for example yep. maybe not that in particular but those kind of stores were 16 15 year old girls modeling but just had so much makeup on that they looked like they were adults and no one could tell the difference really? um, yeah and some of them were swimwear and is uh, is that a recent phenomenon as well or were there also 15 16 year olds modeling back in the i don't know 50s 60s yeah there, of course there were and it's you know you're at your peak when you're like 20 as a model unfortunately often um and so like youthful and things like that but i think the difference now is that it used to be youth would model youth clothes and now it's youth are modeling adult clothes so this is like you know we are aspiring and and using this as like the the picture of beauty are these teenage girls and I actually worked with one um a couple of years ago and she was this gorgeous super quiet little shy um 15 year old 14 or 15 year old and she was she was pretty but not like she wasn't like a um one of those popular girls in high school that everyone fawns of it's just a normal girl gorgeous Thai girl and she was um also got into modeling and she showed me her photos and I could not believe that those photos were of this girl and she had like this black smoky eye and she was wearing a, a button-up shirt but unbuttoned um and like sure mm. you couldn't see anything but it was open um and sitting like kind of like leaning back with her like legs like across and like giving like a fuck off face like very sultry kind of thing I just could not believe it was her and I was you look she looked the exact same age as me in this photo so it's pretty scary <laughs> so if we all widely agree that this is a bad thing happening who's at fault is it the yeah. parents of these girls is it the media people in yeah. charge that are choosing to mm. have these girls model is it the consumers who yeah. are still consuming media with these young girls where does the fault lie in society it's and how do we solve it? It's all of it. It's all of the above. And we can't really solve it by saying advertisers stop doing this, please, or like stop making everything sexual because, you know, our psychology shows that this is what humans, not not that, not children aside, just things of sexual nature, we're more inclined to buy it or be interested mm. in it or have like a prolonged engagement. So if you see two 
two models, one's modeling the Bonds bikini or Bonds bras and the other one's modeling like a coat company. You'll look at that, you'll look at this, but you're going to look at that one for two seconds. You're going to look at this one for like seven seconds with the gold in the bikini. Mm. So that's why they... Sex sells. Sex sells. <laughs> Hello, we are here. It's like yeah. a good podcast. Yeah. Um, and like I pose the question in many topics that we talk about, this is an uncomfortable question to ask. Mm. How much of it is cultural and biological? And I only say that because if you look at fairy tales and if you look at a lot of stories, it was very often that a 14-year-old girl would be marrying yeah. a 24-year-old man or yeah. whatever. Even it Probably even more pronounced the age gap. Yeah. So... Is it, it's, oh, I hate saying this, but is it, is there something to be said that, Mm. oh, people are just attracted to a a 16 year old girl? Yeah. Yeah. And do you know what? It, that is a thing that I was thinking about that on, on the way to your, um, to the way to, on the drive here, because someone once said to me that, um, a guy my age, and it wasn't a friend, just a random um, that I'd met once. And he said, every single guy is sexually attracted to hot 14, 15, 16-year-old girls. Not that they would want to date them, not that they want them as a girlfriend, not that they even want to sleep with them, but they're sexually attracted to them. And if they're saying no, they're lying. And at f- like obviously my initial reaction was like, that is filthy, disgusting, gross kind of thing. But reflecting on it like in in a more rational sense, I can understand, you know, that that our history is – that's been predominant of our entire history and that biologically we're going to be drawn to women or men are going to be drawn to women of of peak fertility and that occurs after you have your period, which is usually around 13, things like that. Mm. So it does – the recent – changes of it's only been recently in the last maybe 60 years that we've started saying or a little bit more that it is absolutely inappropriate which is it is to date children and marry children when we ourselves are adults because it's an unfair dynamic and they don't get a choice in it they're not old enough to consent they're too naive those kind of things and those are all correct but it's different to what is right is different to like innate attraction. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's a very unfortunate biological truth that women physically develop a lot earlier than, yeah. than men do. So a, a girl can look like a woman at 14. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas a boy is generally not going to look like a man till their 20s probably. <laughs> if that, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I'm still not one. <laughs> still hitting puberty. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's 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 true. Um, yeah, it is the it's truth. A, it's a very controversial thing to say, especially yeah. in this day and age. But look, be lying if uh, you know you don't look at some of the those pop stars that are maybe fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, and yeah, you you don't think well they're they're attractive. Not that you'd ever do anything. Yeah, it's like when you're like your dad gives you a pat on the back of the shoulder, saying, "Oh yeah, she she's a little hottie, like your little sixteen year old girlfriend when you're dating her in high school." Those kind yeah, of things. Not that right. that like that to me is creepy, but it's not like not everyone would look at that and be like, "That's wow, put that dad in jail," kind of thing. He's no. congratulating his son on his pretty girlfriend. It is normal to think about that, but or, or not just think about it, but just to have that reaction and it's kind of different but I always say you know never judge yourself on your first thought but judge yourself on your second thought 
And so if you initially that's look at someone and think, oh, that's 14-year-old's hot, like I wouldn't personally have those thoughts because like we just said, it's very different for boy and girl teenagers. But if you have that thought, it's the follow-up thought that is what is important where you think, yeah. then think, oh, that's a child, nah, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's a, yeah. never actually make an approach or yeah. anything. Anyway, yeah, so you sure? Yeah, all everyone live by that. Don't judge yourself on your first initial thoughts on anything. Yeah, it's the follow up one. Yeah, I've heard that men generally physically mature at twenty six, and that's for, yeah. for both men and women. That's when the brain also stop, matures. M- women stop maturing about three years prior to a, okay. a, a man, a male, and that's often why they say that um, you should date three to four years older than you as a girl, which is interesting. I've heard uh, what is yeah. it? Half your age plus seven is the minimum. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, at, yeah. at certain age, no, don't do that. But Not the ideal. No, but then that, because. Yeah. Half your age will become less as so for an eight. What's if you're 18, half your age, nine plus seven, 16? Yeah, so it's not shocking, so, it's yeah. okay. Yeah, and then what 24, half your age, 12 plus seven, 19, 24, and 19. I'd say yeah. that's the max. Yeah, 50, <laughs> 50, half your age, plus seven, 32. 32. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good rule. Yeah, but someone's gonna die a lot quicker than the other person, most likely. And then, yeah. anyway, and then they get the <laughs> if they're in the will. <laughs> hopefully <laughs> just kidding um but yeah so it's it, it's a tricky one but what is detrimental about what's happening now with these little girls and in, in the media and things like that and just really quickly yeah. is it primarily a girl's issue here a young yeah. boys being sexualized yes yeah, so Boys are being sexualized, but not to the same extent as girls are. And also the impact that it has had on boys is a lot. It's still it's still increased, but it's a lot more minor than the impact that's had on girls' mental health for like younger girls. Okay. Um, so that um, but it definitely is still something that impacts both genders. Um and it's even um a lot of people like I found just back on the strangest thing trend. I love this show. But a lot of people and even fame like a famous model who was like um she was our age, 25, 26, can't remember who it was, but she was like going on being like Finn from Stranger Things, hit me up when you're 18, that kind of stuff. And he's 13. Um now if a yeah, if a yeah. male celebrity did that to a 13 year old. Yeah. Girl, well people were doing that, that to Billie Eilish, being be, like count down to when she's 18. That's I think Drake did that. <laughs> That's why he got so much shit for like a full year. Um, yeah. But and that's so it's so arbitrary that age. It's just also oh, well, it's fair game. Yeah. So like if you're 17 and 364 days. Yeah. She's pedophile. not mature enough. <laughs> no, that next day, t- literally a, a couple of hours later, fair game. It's just such a, yeah. it's a weird rule. But I mean, there has to be a point where we say, okay, as a society, this is acceptable. Yeah. It just does seem. A bit strange. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a, it's it. The thing is that's kind of concerning about it, even though it has been happening throughout history and time, is that now it's something that is really has become a, a trend almost. It's to, commercialized yeah, and marketed. Which yeah, is uh, in our clothing. Like you'll find nowadays that children's clothing, especially like preteen, like ten, nine to. To fifth, nine to fourteen year old girls' clothing is actually just now women's clothing, but made smaller, yeah. um, which is interesting. And you will find like little um, lacy bralettes for children and stuff like that, which is kind of gross. And those things were happening when I was a kid too. I remember when my friend got me this shirt as a 
I was 12 and it was my favorite shirt and my friend bought it for me for my birthday. It was from Supre, where, which is known for 12 year olds to shop at. And my parents wouldn't let me wear it and I did not understand why and they didn't want to explain it to me, but it pretty much the shirt said, good girls go to heaven bad girls go down under. So here I am parading this like shirt, but not actually understanding that, that there's some kind of innuendo in that. What made you buy that then if you could Someone bought it, it for me. Oh, I just thought it meant like- wait, who oh, bought it for you? A friend, a, fr a female okay. friend, another 12 okay. year old girl. But I thought it meant like, oh, Australian girls are like fun and, and mischievous kind of thing. Like I get in trouble at school, I'm a bad girl, not like <laughs> naughty girls go down. Like Yeah, that's yeah. definitely too extreme for a 12-year-old, yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. I remember listening to some pretty intense rap music when I was 10. Mm. And I uh, my grandparents had asked what I want for Christmas and it was uh, this Chingy album. <laughs> oh, so these like yes. two old Indians went into the store <laughs> oh. being like, oh, can we get this uh, Chingy jackpot? Oh. And like if you look at the track list, it's... it's um, Filthy. Yeah, it's just like, ho, where's my cash? And <laughs> um, baller baby and, yeah, oh you know, something, something hoes. It's all hoes for whatever so reason. Funny. And then uh, this person at the store could clearly tell these people were not actually interested in buying a CD. So they're like, who are you buying this for? Like, our grandson. Like, How old is he? He's he's 10. Probably not appropriate. <laughs> and they uh, they listened. But then what, what happened wow. was my mum bought it and she burnt it, but <laughs> took away the really bad song. Oh, bless <laughs> I, her. I have this um, generic CD chingy with like terrible font That's on it. That's so cute. <laughs> Which, oh. It was all still pretty uh pretty sexual and do you know what though that's great parenting right there that's great i love that oh look <laughs> i look back on that now and i i think if a 10 year old asked for if i had a 10 year old son and he asked for uh an album like that i just no yeah not gonna happen yeah no when yeah. you're 15 you can even then yeah. yeah, I guess at 15, they can legally buy that stuff. So then you can go get it then. This no, is the thing about kids is that you're not like, you just aren't actually aware of it. Like I, my favorite song was Shake, Shake That Ass by Eminem. And I just did it never connected to me as like a 12 year old that that was a song about sex or things like that. Yeah, a lot like, of songs. You or like my anaconda right don't. Like when I see Damn. like 10 year olds singing that, I'm like, oh, don't do it. But um, if they're not understanding the message, is it is it bad? I guess it's normalizing that sort of gratuitously sexual music. But again, I I don't know how much more, say, in the 2010s and 2020s, mm. sexual music that kids are listening to has become a problem versus, well, I guess this anxiety thing from 12-year-olds to 6-year-olds mm. is a very scary statistic. But... I mean, my neck, my back, and <laughs> yeah. all those songs from the even, that was even my the peak high school song, yeah, two thousands, <laughs> all the Eminem songs, Fifty Cent, yeah, Candy Shop is about him going into a brothel. I'm pretty sure, yeah. but I knew all the words. Yeah. Uh, so it's it is appealing for a a young person to be rebellious and yeah. to be a bit mischievous, and because they know this is so inappropriate wouldn't you say that's what makes them want to do it? Because I know they mm. compare the teenagers in some, I think, Nordic or, or European countries versus the teenagers in America and in the Nordic and European countries. They have a very open sexual education. The parents mm. talk about sex. They even talk about condoms at quite a young age, yeah, 13, 14, great. 15. Yeah. And they even 
you know, normal um, amounts of alcohol are consumed mm-hmm. during dinner. Mm-hmm. They'll even give start giving kids one glass of wine yeah. in their teens. And as a result, there's far less binge drinking. Now, there mm. are other major yeah. cultural factors. It's not as though mm. everything else in those two countries mm. are the same. They're very different. But uh, as a result, there's far less teen pregnancy, mm-hmm. far less STIs. Yep. And far less binge drinking, mm-hmm. uh, but then in America, where well, America's so culturally divided, but in especially some of those more Republican states, they have they sometimes even have abstinence only, abstinence yes. only sex yeah. education, and it's still highly religious, mm-hmm. and it's a very strict moral ethical code. It's not talked about. It you only have sex when you're married. Now, I, I again, I haven't grown up there. I don't know exactly mm-hmm. what it's like, but. The statistics are very different. There's a far more teen mm-hmm. pregnancy. There's a lot more yeah. binge drinking. I'm, I mean, in Australia, you, you start binge drinking at bloody 12. <laughs> yeah. and As it should be, mate, <laughs> Australia. Uh, uh, but that is really interesting it because it wild. shows that a yeah. reasonable exposure without yeah. hiding it completely can yeah. be beneficial and helpful. So maybe could you, could you take something like that and mm-hmm. say when it comes to children – being exposed to sexualization mm. and understanding their own sexuality and, and sexual marketing rather than going completely the other way and saying, no, we're going to totally hide them from this until yes. they're 18. Maybe yeah. some sort of initial exposure and good communication yeah. and appropriate uh, appropriate images and, and videos are shown to them. Yeah, And even some marketing can start being shown to them 12, 13, 14, sure. 15, 16. But either extreme is bad. So if it's total sexualization from whatever, six or whatever, mm. Jesus, <laughs> versus, you know, living in some sort of religious theocracy where everyone wears a, a burqa. Exactly. You want to yeah. hit that good middle ground? few things, which first of all, on the alcohol one, it's interesting because in Australia, though, that um, that study doesn't apply. And they, really? Yeah. They found that introducing alcohol to your kids in Australia, like as a small sip here and there, has virtually no difference in the in the long term effect of it if you're going to be drinking alcohol. So if you don't let your kids drink alcohol, or you do let them drink alcohol, they're actually going to have the same projected path anyway. It's going to not make a difference. So <laughs> that's just Australia, though. For Australia, every other mate, country, there'll be less been drinking. But you're going to get on the beers no matter what. Yeah, that's the citizenship test. <laughs> but BB. what is interesting about the talking about sex at a younger age I have this debate often with parents because it's something that they find extremely uncomfortable and they Mm. perceive to be inappropriate but studies have shown that you should actually start talking to your children about sex at the age of six and seven what's really important is that yeah it is and the initial reaction is a bit it's uncomfortable disconcerting the first way to um, kind of approach it is giving your genitals their actual name and why this is important for two things. First of all, it's important to know that this is normal. This is this is our biology. That's a, this is a penis. This is a vagina. Not giving them little like nicknames because if a kid, God forbid, ever was assaulted, they're gonna get asked, um, "Where did this person touch you?" And the little boy says, "On the lollipop." It's not gonna hold up in court. So that's irrelevant. But still, this is when this education should start with kids. And they've found that by talking about giving the actual names for genitals, talking about sex when the kids are asking questions, but also introducing them to like, you know, 
mummy and daddy had um, had you because we had sex and then you grew in the tummy. When you're six or seven or eight, you're not going to say, usually ask like, how does sex happen? You kind of accept that answer typically. Um, and it's only when you get a bit older, or you can think about it a bit more like, wait a minute, what, what actually is sex? And then you can talk about it then. But they found that in the earlier you start, if you start at this age, your child is significantly more likely to have less, um, to have more long-term relationships, less casual sex, and more success in their relationships with, um, in terms of romance. So it is a, it is an interesting thing that people are like, what the? I remember when I used to work at a youth center years ago and we had this and that was for 11 to 18 year olds and we had a um like a little program where we would give any kid even 11 year olds free condoms in exchange for a sex ed talk from me so it was it ended up being a very popular thing right wait giving them free condoms yeah yeah so the idea is that we're trying to prevent teenage pregnancy and trying to encourage safe sex if you're gonna have sex do it safely and you can't access condoms as a kid often so if you're gonna come and i'll give you condoms but you're gonna have to sit here for 15 minutes and listen to me talk about i would literally have to pull out like the banana where you pull the top off and it's a penis and Uh, show them this is how you put a condom on and things like that and parents would complain all the time but this is a this is a literal government like council thing so it feels yeah the initial reaction to that feels weird it makes me feel uneasy but if the statistics do show that it's effective Mm. and it works who am i to argue with uh actual facts Mm -hmm. um i remember when we were in year seven we dared one of our our friends to go buy some condoms and and then (laughs) and then we were all like outside the 7-eleven laughing oh yeah did he get it yeah it's not a yeah because like you say Mm. because some people are having sex at year year seven year eight it's rare but you can find some people who are 12 13 yeah this boxer who had a kid at 13 What's his mm. name? He just lost. Um, <laughs> he just lost. So uh, Dillian White. Yeah. So he's like, his kid would be, he's not even, I think he's only 30 and his kid would be nearly yeah, 18. Yeah, it's trippy so. how how young they are. And I definitely am seeing that in, in my clients that it is getting younger and younger and it is much more common now for 13 year old girls to be losing their virginity at that age as opposed to when it was my age it was like 15 to 17 was typical um if that but it, it is a, it's a scary thought um so hopefully at least it's with people their own age um which unfortunately sometimes it isn't well, if you went to a public school 13 14 was uh, i wouldn't Standard, say it was normal yeah. but it wasn't it was accepted it wasn't out of the ordinary yeah now, i went to a selective public school so it was pretty rare but hearing some of the stories of the neighboring schools Mm. yeah 13 14 15 was pretty it's interesting how that um your school can and and your geography can impact that because i went to the university i went to is um notre dame and you get into that based on um your based on an interview rather Mm -hmm. than just looking at your academic progress throughout high school. 
And so I met a lot of people that had come in and hadn't done so well at school, things like that. And they was, these girls are saying to me, it's such a big deal that I'm doing um, uni because no one in my whole year of, of 290 people, there's like 50 of us that are going to uni. Um, and the rest were Gosh. married off like at 18. They all got married. They all had kids. And I was like, thinking that's wild and what was interesting was like five years later and we were 23 and we're talking about it again and even now there's only one girl I know from my high school that or now two out of 200 girls that have had a baby and 95% of us all went to do like post um, studies after high school. We, we do sometimes don't realize how much of a bubble we live in Yeah, uh, especially now in, in, in a lot of Western countries, the difference mm. between, I wouldn't even say it's necessarily a class distinction, no. but cultural distinctions. Yeah. Uh, if you do grow up in a religious community or uh, maybe a more rural community, rural, yeah, the norms about marriage and, and sex and dating are very, very different. Exactly. Uh, so it would be different to, uh, you know, the crow's nest uh, ve- vegan community, <laughs> I'd imagine. <laughs> Oi. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good community, all right? I didn't say anything bad about it. <laughs> I just said probably different. <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know what? On a very anecdotal level, uh, when you grow up, generally if you grow up in an immigrant household, it's a lot more socially conservative and yeah. more likely to be religious. Now, my, my parents weren't religious at all. In fact, they mm. were the opposite. They never... You still never really spoke about sex and and dating right. and things like that, um, and I'd always find it so weird when, not always white families, but maybe that more middle class, uh, um, secular households that are always talking to their kids about, oh, who are you dating? Oh, is that <laughs> your boyfriend? <laughs> is that your girlfriend? And I'd be shocked by, and a yes. lot of um, ethnics probably would be, and yes. that's a common trope. In like, if you look at yeah. Superwog's videos, for example, mm. he's got one where it's parents giving the talk, yeah. and the white family is. It's really funny. The white family is so open and and mm. trusting and talks mm. about it, whereas the Wog family is just like, if you have sex, you will get pregnant and die. It's and so funny. And and yeah. um, it's obviously a huge exaggeration there, but there's a lot of truth to that. And it is, yeah. You sometimes get into this habit of maybe even looking down upon some of the people who are becoming sexually active when they're 15, 16, 17 mm. and think they're less moral. But then yeah, I like, think... Don't hang out with her. She's a bad girl. Like <laughs> I can see the truth in what you said about mm. them maybe starting younger but having a lot more comfort and success in their relationships because mm-hmm. it's so normal for them to talk about those those things and less likely to have casual sex as well because yeah. then I find a lot of um, people who might have grown up in um, stricter, more socially conservative households, they either go one way or the other. They completely uh, recreate those same strict mm-hmm. ethical boundaries and, and get married really young or they rebel entirely yes. and have casual sex There's and, nothing and in drink between. a lot yeah. and yeah. <laughs> it's me. Uh, <laughs> but um, that's so true. It's very, it, it, the ones who are probably more, more comfortable and in that moderate middle ground, this is purely anecdotal just yeah. based on the people I mm. observe and, and talk to. Yeah. They seem to be ones that 
I can only imagine or assume grew up in a much more smaller liberal household where the parents were comfortable talking about those sorts of things. For sure. I think I had one of those households where um, my mum was very, very open about that. That's why all my friends would want to come over after school so they could ask mum questions about tampons and sex. And I'll never forget being 14, turning 15, and I was with a couple of girlfriends. And my mum was like, when I was your age, I was having orgies. And we all looked at each other and we were like, what's an orgy? Like, so confused. Wait, she was having orgies at 14? Apparently. And my mom's a bit like that. Not a slut, but, well, maybe. I don't know what she did. But she's just very, very open and casual. organize an orgy at 14? I don't know. And she would do things like, um, me and my brother used to hate this, but she would put, like, a nude of herself on our fridge from when she was, like, 25. And we'd be like, yuck, and take it down and be like, why the hell would you do that? And she was like, what? I was hot. Like, who cares? It's a hot product. <laughs> but what was interesting, so obviously it makes sense why I am the way I am. All I do is talk about sex and relationships. But my mum and I and, and my friends and I would always talk with mum about sex. We just, she, But I knew everything about sex before I'd even had it, which was really good. So and I'm still shocked at the orgies <laughs> I know. Like, I got to clarify this, I think, God. yeah. Because I didn't, I only learned what that was a few years Can later. Can I ask what, and then her, what were her parents like? really strict and she left home okay, at okay. 17 and she was like i will never raise my kids like that like i'll be really okay. open makes and, sense. yeah yeah but what would happen was i would go to um well for context i never was scandalous and that kind of stat i was talking about before was 100 percent what happened to me i had one boyfriend actually from 14 to almost 19 so all throughout high school and we waited years before we'd ever like had um, slept together for the first time but when I went to my friend's houses and I thought it was the norm to be open about these things so I'd sit down (laughs) with their mom and be like oh she'd be like how was your day and I was like oh found out Lucy had had sex with this guy and like he's really nice I hope he respected her but she was saying this um and she does she's not sure she should like shave her pubes off like what do you reckon and then they would be like oh my god don't ever talk to Eliza ever again and I'd be like why what's I don't get it what's wrong with that yeah but I was super innocent (laughs) yeah so you're a very (laughs) unique uh, circumstance there I don't think thanks (laughs) mum even when I'm talking about the more just a a classic small uh, liberal household I wouldn't expect uh, it's like the meet the fuckers mum putting (laughs) a nude out there (laughs) oh that's disturbing that's amazing bless her she's fun do you think that's do you think it can be unhealthy to make a um to commit to doing the opposite of what your parents did yeah a hundred percent absolutely like there there can be elements where um like just speaking even just personally like my mom really wanted to kind of protect me from issues to do with adults or keep me separate from adult issues which I think is really important but I find that maybe in not I emotionally I developed really young and had good emotional intelligence but with like life admin and things like I was never really had to worry about health or money or things like that because it was always just sorted out for me as a kid so those are things I had to learn for myself as an adult and I think that was because I was a little bit um bubbled like just Mm. being like that don't worry about it and I was kind of just thinking you know as soon as I get a job I'm rich and I'll buy anything I want and I literally (laughs) thought that until I was like millennial yeah 
I was like, it's so easy. Like, yep. why is this person struggling? And it wasn't till like kind of in some ways the the sheltered upbringing was good for me because when I started to learn about other people and other lives, that's what really made me think like i got to work with like these mm. communities and that's why I'm in the, the, the place I'm in now. But yeah, so it's it definitely can have um, a detrimental impact when you're like, I won't do that. And there's always things yeah. that we say, like I say things like I will never do that, which my mom does. And then I just end mm. up um, doing it. But I had a subconsciously um, you can. Yeah, we do mimic make a pact to say I'm not going to do what my parents did. But yeah. you can either go one way or the other. I think if you're at peace with what they did, if you think yeah. some of what they did mightn't have been appropriate, look, no parents are ever going to be perfect and you can't sit there blaming all your problems on your parents. It's quite narcissistic, I think. You've got to be at peace with whatever occurred and then you don't mm. want to go one way or the other way mm. because um, I think there are elements where I, my dad actually had a, a very typical strict Indian upbringing. Mm. So... He went so far the other way and, mm. and he didn't like the whole, the, the, the emphasis on the family and the culture and the community. So mm. he went so far the other is like, you're an individual and you can yeah. do what you want. You can, but then there was occasionally maybe there could have been more boundaries. But again, yeah. I don't ever, I hate getting in the trap of being like, oh, my parents did, they were, yeah. you know, 10 out of 10, yeah. right? Like yeah. I'm doing pretty damn well. My sister's doing really well. Um, I didn't know you had a sister. Yeah, younger? younger younger sister. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. She's um, she's very different. To she looks very similar to me. There's oh, a photo really? on Instagram, and there's a there's a there's a joke that we're the clone hat cars or something. Oh my god, that's so cute. Um, but no, personality wise, very very different to me. She's very studious and intelligent, uh-huh. and well, that no, you I'm, are I'm studious, and you, all you do is read and whip out facts. <laughs> well you do other things but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um she's very she's she's quiet she's a lot more introverted oh, i wow. think as she's getting older she's um changed that a little bit how old is she now she's 22 so the how running joke is always that if she's so relaxed and um if you miss a few minutes of a tv show or a film mm. you never ask nina because <laughs> she'll just be like uh yeah that happened. Like <laughs> she just did never. Yeah. <laughs> or she talked to my dad, and he'll be like, "Okay, so here's the whole plot. This is Aww. like my dad is the talker in the family. Yeah. He doesn't stop talking. And uh, my mum's also quite. She's very quiet. Keeps to herself. Oh, um, wow. Which is the opposite for most ethnic families. Yeah. It's the it's the mum yeah. that's the talker and mm. things. So yeah. Anyway, anyway, that's a little bit of my um that's my so family life there. But no, never and. Another, even if it may be uncomfortable for parents to talk about those sorts of things with their kids at such a young age, is they're gonna learn that at such a young age anyway. Yeah. So you got to compete. You got to compete with what they're gonna learn on Give board. Give them the correct facts first, so that when they get exposed to things, they're not like, "Wow, this is how it is." Then, or this is yeah. what's normal. Like, just talk to your kids openly and have have that kind of a culture in your family where it's like you can come to me for anything like in my family not that I ever snuck out or do dodgy shit but my dad would always say to me anytime you need to be picked up just call me and I'll get you no questions asked anytime it was 3am I don't care just let me know we'll do it like Mm. so that kind of acceptance rather than being like now I'm gonna have to get a lift home with this 19 year old boy that I don't know kind of thing yeah Um, you don't want them to be yeah because I don't want to get in trouble yeah yeah but then there's also uh 
It sounds like, yeah, the no, the not shaming a, a child for making the mistake, but also then you'd want to make them understand where they went wrong. and Yeah, and that's when you communicate there afterwards. You don't be like, oh, my God, what were you doing? You'd be like, look, here's here, here are my concerns. First of all, you're intoxicated, you're young, you're hanging out with older people. Like there's a lot of risk to this. Secondly, you've broken – there's going to be consequences, not because – you know, of, of you hanging out with a lot of people, but you broke the rules, you know, that curfew's mm. 10 p.m., you know, because yeah. this this rule was broken, therefore you're not allowed to, I don't know, use your phone for a week, those kind of things. But rather than punishing them for, for being out and, and doing things, it's I always say to my um, the families I work with, I say to the parents, negotiate the rules with the kids. And they're always like, no way, they're gonna, they're never going to agree, but they do. I'll be ask the kid, like, what time do you think is going to be an appropriate bedtime? And the 15-year-olds will be like, 9 o'clock, 9.30. Like they come up with it themselves. They don't actually like full go mischievous being like 2 a.m. So <laughs> That's so foreign to me. Yeah. But- for works, it, it works because yeah. it doesn't happen in ethnic families. <laughs> what? Oh, negotiating rules? Definitely not. No. <laughs> yeah. And again, mine, mine were really very different to yeah, average um, immigrant family. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's no oh, you won't get your phone for for a week. <laughs> Lucky if you even have a phone. Yeah, that's it. You yeah. get a few smacks. That's what you get. <laughs> yeah. It is interesting <laughs> how it it um. It differs, and I hear about um, my friend who uh, they're Arabic Muslim, and they wear the hijabs. And when she tells me about her um, experience in high school and how she wouldn't be allowed to like study at a library afterwards if there was a male or she had one um, guy friend, and that was like strictly forbidden and things like that, and it just listening to it would blow my mind. But to her, she was like, "Well, that's just normal. It's just the culture," and she didn't really have. Obviously, she was annoyed by it as a kid, but now she was like, well, I will do the same when I have kids. So Yeah, but I think that's like a little bit of Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, well... Like it, cultural Stockholm Syndrome. It happens in... in like I I had... My best friend in high school had a real... She had a hover mum. She was a cool mum, but she was a hover parent and she would be, was so worried about my friend that she would just do everything. We got picked up, dropped off from school every single thing had to be supervised, even as 15, 16 year olds, where it got to the point where my friend as a 16 year old, she'd go for a run at four o'clock in the afternoon and she ne- she didn't, took her a few weeks to notice, but she kept like saying like a car was following her and she found out that her mum would be oh, secretly <laughs> following her 200 meters behind to make sure she was safe and make sure she was actually going on a run. And like me and my friend used to like laugh at it and be like, that's so crazy. What the hell? And I was like, well, you would never do that to your kids, would you? And she was like, no, that's what I'll do to my kids, even though she hated it. <laughs> well, you grow to love it because it's in a, in a weird way, that's almost, they're in like an abusive relationship with that culture. Yeah. Because that culture has in many ways oppressed and abused them. Oh, but this but last one was a, just a white become, Australian one. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, but uh, I say culture yeah. is in that sort All of cultural, hovering yeah. Yeah. culture, if you want. Mm. Um, but surely there'd be, again, you'd have to look at some statistics there, but you can't imagine that would be a good parenting strategy no. following a girl around God, in a car, no. or preventing a 16-year-old girl having male friends. Yeah, and let me tell you, not the not the Arabic one, but the other one I was telling you about. She rebelled <laughs> big time. Yeah, so. but that's all of the, that, yeah. uh, uh, every 
See what? Yeah, yeah. all the ones who grow up in either super strict yeah. households, and it's not even an ethnic thing. If you just grow up in a super strict household, you either completely adopt it and mm-hmm. grow fond of it and think, no, I understand why they did that, mm-hmm. which is basically a kind of cultural Stockholm syndrome, or you can you totally rebel yeah. and you go the other way. You yeah. never you never have just moderate healthy. You can you got to just work on it, but exactly. it seems rare that you have moderate healthy relationships and an outlook on life yeah it's hard it's a hard balance it's hard to get right because that's the that's the uh going back to the two extremes of and coming Mm. back to child sexualization you know you're in this weird alignment with some people who are very strictly religious Mm -hmm. when you say Oh, child sexualization is bad. And, you know, look at what's happening in the church. I don't think they have a mm-hmm. leg to stand on there. But um, you don't want to go, you don't want to go too far either way. You know, you don't want to have, you don't want to have a 10-year-old wearing a lacy bralette and you don't want to have a 16-year-old girl not being able to have a male friend. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> just, have some common sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's much harder to monitor though and, and address the, the sexualization aspect of youth because it's just become like a a cultural norm and it, it also comes down to like children's naivety as well. Um, like I worked with a girl for a long time who was 14 and she had a very tumultuous relationship at home, like a intense semi-abusive upbringing and she unfortunately she'd show me her phone and by the second on Facebook she'd be getting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of messages and dick pics from like 50 year old men and I was thinking what is why are they targeting her so much and then I looked at her profile and she's got like she's a very curvy girl and she's got um wearing like a little singlet and and tiny booty shorts and I think that she was being so sexualized because of that but that's just what teenagers wear um and it got to the point though where it was becoming so frequent that she was like how do I like benefit from this so she almost started saying responding to them being like yeah okay I'll meet with you or yeah I will send you pics but you got to get my nails done you got to buy me these shoes and so yeah she was accidentally pimping herself out but what the the worst thing that happened with all there was two things first of all fortunately she was very severely um sexually assaulted um with a a a man and we had to go to court and the police for that and another thing that had happened was one of the people that was sending her these filthy messages and nudes and I read them all was her own uncle and he he was he was married with kids who were older than her so had her cousin sweet home Alabama yeah so um he started messaging her really gross things sending her like um like a dick pics being like, look at how you make me stray from God. You do this, blah, blah, blah. And so she said, what do I do? And we couldn't go to the police because he lived in a different country with her family. Okay. And so I said, you need to tell your parents right away and show them what's happening. So she sent it to her mom and her dad and the auntie, the uncle's wife, and all of them and every single family member decided to exile her completely from the family because 
they said you seduced him with the photos you were uploading of yourself. Um, and she ended up at 14 and a half becoming homeless. That's why I was looking after her. But it was just this wild being blamed as a child for seducing a 50-year-old man with a wife and two kids. Wild things. Yeah, that's a pretty extreme That's an extreme. That's a heavy there, extreme. But that's... Um... Yeah. Yeah, poor girl. Yeah, but just the the norm and the and the frequency and how common it is for for uh, older people or older men in particular to approach young teenage girls. Like I've said in a, another podcast, we did that when me and my friends were fourteen. We would like count how many times we could get beeped at walking down the street, or how many tradies would stop working, come out and talk to us at literally fourteen. Which is like, and then as an adult, I look back on that and I was like, what the, f- that's crazy. But you, as a kid, you don't recognize that. You just eye roll it or think it's funny or gross, but that's like the extent of it. Okay. Well, when you can explore those sorts of issues on a, on a deeper, on a deeper level thinking about, so there's definitely an expected level of restraint from from men in mm. any situation, mm-hmm. not even just child sexualization. Mm-hmm. How much, so say that girl who was uh, inadvertently pimping her, mm-hmm. herself out was over 18 and an yeah. adult. Mm-hmm. How much responsibility lies on her for putting herself in that situation versus the older man choosing to pay for her nails or whatever so he can get his so he can get off yeah well this is the thing is that at 18 you know she she if she still had these same circumstances she's kind of doing these things for survival and also for it makes her feel good or whatever she's she's got issues she's got trauma she wants she's seeking validation from a male and this is the easiest way to get it and she can also get things she wants all she has to do is get in the car with him or kiss him or do this with the random male and to her that payoff was good or fair Mm -hmm. but when you're 18 no one can intervene no one's really at fault for it um which I guess then it comes down to even if it's right or if it's wrong and he knows um like I know another girl similar situation not she wasn't pimping herself out but she had been um abused assaulted like really really horrific trauma and the police officer that helped her get through her rape case approached her on Facebook trying to um, trying to get in there, being like, you can come live with me. You, you have to come only on like you can only stay on like a Tuesday or Thursday night because my wife's a cops and those are the days that she has like overnights. And he was like 40, she was 15 or 16. And that's when it was kind of like this power dynamic of knowing someone is vulnerable. Mm. It's so gross, but as an 18 year old, it's not, it's not illegal and no one can, you can get shamed for it being like, yuck, don't do that. Or that's really disgusting, but no one can, can intervene on that. Um, so it's, I, I get your point, but it comes, old men, I know suddenly, is it something like they're trying to relive a fantasy that because they know it's so inappropriate, they're so yeah attracted to it. There's and a couple, yeah, and exactly. It's... Few elements. It can be that they are. It's the tabooness and that that the inappropriateness is a lot of fetish is based off yeah. that. But it's also that it's what's going to be easier to pick up as a twenty five year old guy. Mm. 
even though it's wrong? Is it going to be easier to try, like, you know, pick me up and have to, like, win me over or go, go for a girl who's much younger and will think, oh, my God, you have a car? Wow, like, that's so impressive. It's just kind of, like, the easier yeah. option. So um, th- those are those still seem like pretty extreme examples mm. there. Um, just more broadly... It's hard to have these conversations sometimes, but say something like OnlyFans, right? There seems to be two schools of thought when it comes to something like, if you don't know about OnlyFans, it's a website. It's not even specifically for nudes and porn. You can basically just give content, put out content for people who have subscribed, put out exclusive content for people who have subscribed Mm -hmm. to you. And a lot of people are criticizing it, saying, oh, this is such a condemnation of society and how sexualized people have become and... Mm. You know, they criticize the girls on OnlyFans and say, like, oh, you're a slut. Where's your self-worth? Where's your self-worth? Where's your self-esteem? But then they never really criticize those pathetic men who are like, yeah, I'm going to pay $15 a month because I'm too much of a weirdo to talk to girls. (laughs) But, like, I really think someone, you know, a lot of responsibility lies on them. It's like you can't always just blame the drug dealer not trying to yeah, no, that's say that correct. sex is yeah. like, well, in many ways it can be yeah. like a drug, but the people going out and buying the drug yeah. um, are also responsible for that that yeah. whole marketplace there. So but good drug dealers don't deal with children. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so take yeah. – yeah, I know where – okay, so this podcast is all about sexual. Okay, but let's take children, the children like, out for this. Sorry, yeah. I should have yeah. made that very clear. <laughs> We're taking children out of this. Yeah. Sometimes I get the vibe that from that the the more modern, you know, accepted progressive idea about all of this is that mm. it's a woman is now I'm not I'm I have to tiptoe around this because yeah. when you talk about things like assault and and, and rape and it's sensitive. You get, yeah, yeah, you get to be seen as a victim blamer or something mm. like that. But mm-hmm. do you think there's any merit to laying some responsibility on women who are putting themselves out there in very sexual mm. positions, i.e. your OnlyFans? Or- mm. Yeah, no, I, I, that's a good point. And a couple of things, because we talked about this once ages ago yeah, when we, we were having that. this like back and forth and we couldn't quite agree, is it, with that girl on Instagram who complained about being sexualized, a woman, mm. sorry, and um, but then was putting all these like really sexy bikini photos and things up. And we were like, can you complain about it when you're doing this? And we were a bit like, oh, that's a really tough one. But it was worded to me just a couple of days ago Um, and I can't remember what I was watching or something about females talking, maybe about sexualization. And they were saying, what makes it sexualization in these cases is that when I'm putting something out that's sexy and intended to be sexy, it's okay to be like, you look hot or whatever, or to know that that's going to be desirable. But when it's, when it's inappropriate is when I'm walking down the street trying to get my groceries and people are calling out being like, Hey baby, nice tits, those kind of things. That's. That's the line. I thought that was a cool way to like make it um, distinct is when it's when it's intentional and it's accepted or when it's unwanted and and it's not something that you're putting out trying to be sexy or or sultry or anything like that. But when it comes to the OnlyFans, like I 
I'm in full support of OnlyFans. I think it's much more empowering than working in, as a, in a brothel, as a which is still fine if you do, but it just means that all your money is directly yours. You get to choose everything. You don't have anyone dictating you like um, in pornos. You have like a director or, or like someone often like a pimp kind of person that is an agent um, and you can consent to everything you want to do, things mm-hmm. like that. But what is unfortunate is that women in the sex work industry that when they get abused or raped or assaulted it's never taken seriously Mm. because it's like well that's what you do for work but it's kind of comes down to well this is when consent gets drawn in yeah 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 um i again i i don't i'm not specifically talking about those instances of violent acts and yeah Maybe I'm sort of loosely talking about it, talking about the grocery situation there. Yeah, I can't see how a woman can be. Do you just mean like sexualization in general? general? Like if I'm yeah. sitting, I have a hypothetical. If I had an OnlyFans and then I'm sitting here now, being like, "Don't sexualize me, Neil," but you've seen my OnlyFans. Is that what you mean? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah I guess I'm talking about yeah. that, but there. There seems there. Mm, how can I put this? Maybe I'm reaching a little bit here, mm. and I may be perceiving things that aren't necessarily true, mm-hmm. and I'm biased or something. But the the feminist narrative is it's 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 men. It's always man's fault. Like all of these situations, right. it's always the man's fault. It's always the man's fault. And from, from all the examples you've yeah. told me, it, yeah. it seems pretty clear. I think most men and women would agree that mm-hmm. that's at least the man being a bit of a creep right yeah on a societal level talking about the things like the sexualization and mm. regardless of kids here mm. um i know what you get is there any yeah. sort of is there is there anything to mm. say that hey look maybe it's tough to say this and i can be clipped out of context and and made to look really bad but we are sexual beings mm. and men um are gonna be very sexually attracted to young, beautiful women, and get doesn't excuse any mm. a- actual physical acts, uh, but n- sort of knowing and understanding that, say, criticizing something like a, a a woman who is actually using that to to be a gold digger, mm. or a woman who knows she's maybe taking advantage of these older men who probably are vulnerable and lonely. Yeah, and then she's saying, "Yeah, pay me this much, and I'll give you this date." Now, I yes, it's a mutual agreement there where they're both getting something yeah. to benefit. But mm. many people, and to a degree myself included, at least feel a bit uneasy about some of those transactions. Yeah. And also going back to something like uh, OnlyFans and 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 sex work and things like that, I'm all for it, right? Mm. But where I don't necessarily align with the more progressive ideology is when they say oh, this is this is empowering mm. see i don't think i think it's a job right but mm. I, don't, I wouldn't say you know when they say yeah um sex work is real work yeah it's real work but i think it's it's you know you want to aim for the doctor or the engineer <laughs> or something that is showcasing intellect mm. a bit more than just then again i'll say a stripper that is a skill you know it's a good skill some of those tricks they do very impressive ping pong balls yeah couldn't do it (laughs) 
But um, say only like taking a photo or whatever and putting mm-hmm. it out there and then making all this money. Now, again, a lot of it comes down to the men who are subscribing to the – they yeah. shouldn't do it. Like just – and then they probably are also – have a bit of an incel mentality there, yet they're the ones subscribing to this. So yeah. clearly there's this huge, massive global proportion of men that are willing to pay this money to see some 18-year-old Australian, 18-year-old Australian yeah. girl show her vagina or whatever. Yeah. And and they need to be questioned about that. Like, why are you doing that? Yeah. Are, are you not able to talk to women or is that something you can work on? Yeah. Um, but then if they, if the girls also know, Hey, these are maybe some kind of vulnerable, Mm. even if they are older, but they're, they're lonely, maybe their wife has died or something and, Oh yeah, I'll go on this date with you, but you got to pay me all this money. Mm. Is that whether or not it's wrong yet? (laughs) Is that ethical? Yeah, it's, um, it is interesting. Well, I, I guess a few things that I understand what you mean. I, I think not that you weren't saying that being a sex worker is a lesser job or anything like that that. of course yeah and but also on the flip side though sometimes it's like holy shit this girl literally sat in front of a camera didn't say a word pulled out one titty and just made a thousand dollars like it's It's, yeah that can be that easy there's been times where i thought like shit i should just make an early fans honestly (laughs) every girl literally it's just so easy like that's why i don't think i don't i think it's when they say sex work is real work, yeah, like I agree yeah. that it is real work. Yeah. In the same way, um, you know, I don't want to make fun of people's jobs here, but there's a hierarchy of jobs where you say, all right, that's a better job to aim for than this other job. Yeah. I mean, we shouldn't rank it. And some some people, it's like literally like they've got such a business mindset about it and they're like, hey, I want to do this. This is how I'm going to increase my views, how I'm going to get engagement, those kind of things. Yeah. So, you know, it's still, it's still going to be an effort. And if someone can make, $100,000 in three months by not even showing your genitals but just sitting topless and eating pasta, good on you. Like if I have resenting that, it's because I'm probably jealous and wish I could just get $100,000 for three months to eat pasta in a bikini. Like, of course, yeah. You know? And I'm not yeah. I'm not blaming them as such. No. But it's, no. it just, if anything, the people at fault there are the men willing to pay for that. Yeah. They're yeah. the ones that it's, it's – Always, whenever there's anyone who's going against the the more progressive narrative, it's always, and I would in many ways agree with um, probably feminists in this regard, that Mm -hmm. it's always directed towards the the women. But, like, these men paying this money to do this, I just don't get it. They're the ones that also need to be blamed for this. Yeah, yeah. But on on the other side, when we're talking about, like, gold diggers and things like this, I see this trend on, I don't, have you ever got onto gold digger TikTok? Had that come across oh, your no. – I don't know why I get targeted a lot for that. I must be engaging with them because I find them funny, but um, not a gold digger, disclaimer. But what is a common thing that I see that they always say, they're like, it's not what we can do for misogyny. It's what misogyny can do for us. And then it's them with like all their money and like handbags and shit like that. So in some <laughs> in some ways they're like, yeah, well, how does right. the patriarchy going to benefit me if I can't directly impact it and change it and – put in my feminist views and I'm not saying I agree or disagree with that but that's just kind of like a mindset that people can entail like if it comes down to you know what I could work as um nine to five and do this and then sit behind a desk all day and do 85 percent admin work or 90 percent admin work and make eighty thousand dollars or whatever that's option a or I could two times a week go and 
sleep with someone 20 years older than me and make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, one is going to be more appealing if you are open to those things and you're willing and to you that sex is not like it's not a big deal like I couldn't do it personally I just not because I think it's wrong or not that wrong (laughs) Um, but okay so that's again with situations mm. like this it seems to be you can either be on one side or the other right I am totally on board with um yeah regulated and and totally legal sex work and yeah you know i think it's a good thing i think it can Mm. be good for some men as well and and it can be great Mm. for women but when you hear something like that they're Mm. trying to say hey i'm making a political statement by (laughs) being a gold digger yeah get out of town no that's um, absolutely ridiculous you're justifying a very easy option yeah for you and trying to say well look i'm making i'm being so political by doing this no Look, yes, it's a job, and yeah. but just admit that, yeah, look, it's a, it's it's an it's easier easy, job it's cush, to do. Yeah. But yeah. again, I would differentiate from strippers because they are very talented, <laughs> especially the ones I've seen. <laughs> but um, because yeah. they're it's dancing, they actually got all these yeah. mad skills, and yeah. and it's it's an art that you have to work towards, right? Mm. Whereas, um, so that's why they all put sex workers in the same group. I'm like, no, strippers are very different. <laughs> yeah, strippers um, don't often even would never sleep with exactly. a client or anything like that. Yeah, but when it comes to taking advantage of the, like the lonely, vulnerable men, just to touch on that point. I think the difference is between not that you were comparing it, but the difference between you know men approaching like these vulnerable girls and things like that that are young or oh or yeah, just, yeah. Um, but when it's women approaching lonely men, being like I know I could milk him for his money kind of thing, or this guy's wife just died, there is actually a payoff, and for them, for men that are wealthy. It's easy know, just getting, to like everyone's getting throw some money there. away. And it's like, you know what? If I had to give $500 in exchange for intimate connection, physical affection, someone to tell me I'm handsome, even though I know I'm paying for it, it's still going to make me feel good. So I'm going to do it. Mm. So I think there almost is a, an equal exchange between a gold digger and a and a sugar daddy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe I'm just feel maybe it's sort of a remnant of, uh, you know the the culture I've been brought up in, which wasn't even strict yeah. or religious or anything, but it does make me feel uncomfortable. But yeah. then again, they are two consenting adults, and they're getting they're both getting what they want out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the issue for me, and then I think for a lot of men as well, is when it is as you said, it's framed in this sort of really empowering political yeah. thing, and then you think, no, that's that's quite ridiculous and it's become very trendy <laughs> to advertise it all over um your media social media and things like that yeah now i understand it's yeah. a it's a sort of it's a reaction to how it was so looked down upon mm. historically but mm. if it was just like any other job man eh, this is just a job i do and yeah, yeah i do get some money out of it but mm. almost this glorification it, yeah. of it and yeah, saying that it's it's so empowering to be, uh, it's political and it's empowering to do mm. these things. And a lot of girls claim no. also that they're like, oh, I don't actually have to have sex with them. Like I often don't have sex with them. That is a hundred percent. I shouldn't say hundred. That is ninety eight point nine percent incorrect. And I know this because I know girls that have been on, lots of girls that have been on seeking arrangement, and every single man 
every single connection will be like, look, I expect sex from this relationship. If there's going to be an exchange of like money and things like that or gifts, like I want to work, not straight away, but it's something that I would want and expect from us eventually, which is fair. Um, But uh, most sugar babies, I would say like 70% of them are like, no, never had sex with them. No, no, no. I just go and, you know, cooking some dinner and look pretty or whatever. We'll go out. That's it. And I'm like, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm." yeah, I I really, I know I've reiterated this a few times, but I do not want to say I'm, I don't don't want people to to interpret this as me shaming sex workers or no, people with OnlyFans yeah. or saying that it's in, invalid. In fact, hell, do it. Like by all means, do it. Yeah. Like I said, I'm 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 like to think I'm actually pretty li- small L liberal with um sex work and brothels and things like that. Yeah. And I think in Australia, because it is a bit more legal and regulated, mm. it's probably a better situation than in many other countries. Yes. Um the issue is when it becomes this political statement. Yeah, yeah. That's where I think a lot of people say, "Yeah, look, yeah. no, come on, sit down." <laughs> yeah, you're not, you're not. You're doing a job, and yeah, it's a real job. So in that sense, mm-hmm. it's real work. But don't act as though it's some sort of you're some amazing feminist businesswoman. Yeah, yeah, I'm a girl boss and all that yeah. sort of stuff. <laughs> that's where you think. Yeah. Look, you're probably very rich and good on you. Yeah, exactly. You also have to think about the impact that it has on like not that it's not your responsibility to bring up the kids, but you do have to consider that because nowadays girls that um, girls in particular that are graduating from high school and I'm all their their career goals are often sugar baby or um, social media influencer, and they often don't want to progress further study or even work like in retail because they're like um not that retail is lowest or anything like that they just don't even want to get a a casual job anywhere because they're like well this is what i want to do like this is what i expect because it's going to be the funnest and easiest lifestyle for me uh, without really understanding how how hard it is to make it in this in this kind of industry yeah. Which I'm sure you can speak so to. Social media influencer yeah. is different to uh, Sugar Baby, I would like to <laughs> yes, think. Differentiate. <laughs> um, I hate that oh, I hate that term influencer because then I'm grouped in with all people who just yes. post bikini photos. But maybe you I should, should post do one. I should, I should, yeah, get do the sponsorships. It. Yeah. Do it. If I was ripped, I'd post shirtless photos for sure. Post a bikini one. But it should. <laughs> yeah, an actual bikini Yeah, one. then you can make a political um, statement of your own. Yeah. <laughs> sexualize me <laughs> yeah well i had all these jokes Throwing about um, how indian men should be more sexualized and women are too sexualized mm-hmm. so if we just flipped it yeah it'd be better yeah um there you go yeah problem solved <laughs> Society yeah and fixed. i'm not i'm not trying to say um my you know what i do is so much better or anything like that yeah. either i think i what i do isn't particularly ethical i mean it's not like it's unethical Mm -hmm. but the people who we really should be admiring are you know your nurses and the people who work in charities and teachers and doctors and these are the people who are contributing to society making a difference and doing yeah the moral work i think and therapists (laughs) anyway um (laughs) so we'll wrap that one up Mm mm-hmm do you would have to say somewhat briefly, but do you have any final concluding remarks about simple, straightforward ways either parents or individuals or society can 
at least mitigate some of these effects of sexualization of, of children or, or change it moving forward? Yeah, it's really hard because you can't put your kid in a bubble and you can't really fight the exposure they're going to have to it. But the best you can do in like the shitty circumstances is just constant kind of communication about it. And and also, you know, back in the day when I was like a nanny and I would see these parents like monitor like phone use and things, I'd be like, I will never do that to my kid. But nowadays I understand it and especially seeing girls I work with getting like nine-year-olds getting groomed online and things like that I think it is important that to be more aware of what your kids are doing and understanding that um, supervising that at points or just checking in is really really important um, but you know if anyone has an influence in the media I don't really it's going to be other people that are in the media that can speak up to it yeah mm. okay well hope you enjoyed that podcast uh as always, subscribe if you haven't already. Tell your friends to listen and to subscribe. And if you're a stripper, hit up Neil because he clearly really <laughs> appreciates because the skill. Because there's a like it's skill a skill that takes years to perfect. <laughs> it does, Whereas yeah. if you're just a sex worker. You, you know. Just a sex worker. <laughs> well, sorry. Again, I'm not, I'm not shaming the profession. I just think. Being a stripper is more impressive to me. It's like a sport. Being a good stripper. There's some bad strippers out yeah. there that can't really work the pole. But <laughs> it is. It's an art. Yeah. It, <laughs> it, it invokes emotion and that's the, the purpose the, of art. The, okay. Well, maybe didn't take out the strip, but pole dancing yeah. is not easy. Oh, God. Yeah. And then the ones where they can like spin around and then like yeah. hang with their legs yeah. off. Mm-hmm. And it looks hot. So mm. <laughs> it's very impressive. Yep. Props but, yeah, to you. There you go. You cancel me for my... Uh, <laughs> Cancel My hierarchy of sex Please. worker jobs. <laughs> Enough. Stripper. <laughs> stripper is the peak of all jobs. And then Doctor, um, stripper. Men and then OnlyFans. Yeah. Okay. Done. We've got it sorted. <laughs> and on that note. Uh, See you later. As I said, like, and, and also if you live in Sydney, I am doing a weekly show, neilandfriends.com. Come for a laugh. Come see me live. Thanks, guys. See you next week. <laughs>